Good morning, playlisters! That is a reference to one of my favorite movies, Good Morning Vietnam. And it's fitting because I'm out in Pound Ridge right now, and the Wi-Fi service feels like I might as well be in Vietnam, which is to say that I've had connectivity issues left and right. But fortunately, because I'm here doing a television show about music, I had a Grammy-winning engineer and producer hook up this lovely microphone Zoom setup that you are looking and listening to, which is, of course, Political Playlist, Happy Hour Podcast, Numero Dos. I am here joined by the lovely co-founder, Anna Muskie-Goldwyn, and I suppose the other lovely co-founder, Anthony Barquette. Less hey, lovely. guys. Welcome to Hi. Podcast Numero Dos. <laughs> wow, you, you sound magical, Michael. Nice well, job. thanks. Yeah, you guys too. We, we upped our microphone game from the first one. So um, it's just going to keep when, getting better. You know, when we release these, uh, which is uh, very forthcoming, um, we will we will sound markedly better in uh, episode two, which we should note we are recording on the first official national Juneteenth holiday, Woo. which is pretty cool. Woo-hoo. Yeah. Historic. So I just want to throw in, we posted about this uh, the other day when it was officially passed, but this is only the 10th national holiday to ever be um, decided on in 151 years. So people should just know that's kind of a big deal that we, that we have this sort of happening in our lifetime. I saw uh, Usher well, was at the White House too. So that was pretty was cool. Was he? Okay. I haven't heard Obviously. his songs. <laughs> did, he, did he perform or was he just there visiting? He I'm probably got sure. a private performance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. They tend to do uh, like private concerts in the in the East Room. Yeah. Oh, you like you know get, about that? <laughs> we do. I, I haven't been invited yet, but we should try and get some political playlist credentials. And, uh, you know, maybe Perfect. Uncle Joe wants to sit down and chat <laughs> yeah also yeah. The, the bidens i just saw lost their um lost one of their dogs yesterday so uh, r.i.p champ champ he thir- and he was 13 the older one, right he was 13 wow. though which for a german shepherd that's pretty impressive so yeah Dedic- this episode is dedicated to champ <laughs> all right well on that right. note uh we should kick off with the big question uh which is how we begin our newsletters. Uh, We just released uh, our 17th newsletter. And this week we were talking about big tech. Obviously one of the the reasons for that is because the Biden administration just appointed Lena Khan, who is the youngest uh, head of the FTC at 30 freaking two years old. Mm. Uh, Anthony, what's What's the deal with her? Why is she so accomplished at such a young age? Yeah, I mean, it, it's honestly, like, yeah, may, makes all of us feel a little unaccomplished. But it's yeah. quite wild that Biden actually pointed her, I mean, at the age of 32 as well. She's sort of, uh, she's Pakistani, you know, grew up in London and immigrated to the U.S. around 11. But she really came into the scene when she... Uh, wrote a now their space they uh, they own Whole Foods, right? I, but the I would say the important thing about her being appointed is um, she was she was voted on sixty nine to twenty eight, so she had a lot of Republicans actually vote in favor of her on the political playlist platform. You had John Ossoff, 
Kirsten Cinema and Josh Hawley vote in favor of her. Tom Cotton did not. But this is a subject that a lot of Republicans and Democrats can de- get together on is big tech, breaking these organizations up. And we've heard this from both sides of the aisle. And, you know, I think what we're, we're going to see in the near future is we have legislation coming out against big tech, Facebook being broken off from Instagram, YouTube possibly being broken away from Google, Amazon being broken up into, you know, two separate companies like Amazon and Amazon basics. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it's, it's going to be quite wild. And I think this is going to be an issue that the Democrats and Republicans can play together on. And you already see it happening. That to me is, I mean, it could be monumental. Who knows? Maybe like we're going to be eating our words in a couple of years, but, but I just feel like there's something to, to be said there about how important this could be. Well, it seems like the the big question that this asks is with so many of our young leaders finding common ground with regard to big tech and feeling like it needs to be regulated, you know, do we think that this is going to change legislation? And I guess the second part of that would be, do we think that this is a very clear signal by the Biden administration that big tech is going to be a top priority for them? as far as regulating and reining them in. In terms of legislation, you're already seeing it happen. Like, I'll just highlight a couple things that have to, you know, that have had a lot of support from the people on our list. And there were five five bills that were introduced this week. Yeah, just in one week. And there's more, but just in this past week, which kind of was in conjunction of her being appointed. But there's one that is called but the American Innovation and Choice Online Act and the Ending Platform Monopolies Act, um, which are both co-sponsored by Lance Gooden, who's from Texas, who's a Republican, Monder Jones, a Democrat from New York, and Jonah Goose, a Democrat from Colorado, and Madison Cawthorn, a Republican from North Carolina. So those are all the young um, members of Congress who are co-sponsoring this. And essentially what this is saying is that that a company like Amazon cannot use its platform to leverage services that other parts of their platform um, give. So the example with Amazon is like, if you go online and you're like, hey, I wanna buy a microphone, (laughs) that the things that come up first are gonna be the Amazon made microphones. So even though Amazon is supposed to be this like marketplace for third-party sellers, by their algorithms and by the systems that they've created, they automatically market the goods that they also create ahead of the mm-hmm. outside goods. So that's, I thought that was like one really interesting example. And, and because, they, and they undercut and they undercut other third-party providers, right? Yeah. And it might lead to a company like Amazon needing to split in some way where like Anthony had mentioned, the Amazon basics would become its own entity um, separate from the normal Amazon marketplace. The other bill I just wanted to bring up, because I found this one to be really interesting and also very relevant, is the Platform Competition and Opportunity Act, which, which essentially means that like if you're Facebook, you can't go buy Instagram when it's in its nascent successful stage like they did in 2012. So if you are a big tech company and there's a rising technology company that is sort of presenting some sort of competition, that if that if the valuation of your company and that company is over a certain number, you're not allowed to acquire them. So I, th- I mean- I think just, the number was 600 billion 600 market billion. cap was, right. was going to be the- 
which like Facebook, (laughs) right. But like, if you think about it, that Facebook and Instagram would have been well over that. So Facebook would not have been allowed to buy Instagram, which like, you know, a lot of our audience are users of Facebook and Instagram. And just imagine if those were two separate companies still, um, what differences we might be seeing in terms of the information that we're fed and the kind of advertising we're given. So I think that these could have really big, um, really big effects. What, wow. what I think is actually quite wild just on the young politician side is you have a very progressive left and the staunch conservative right coming together to be it's the amazing, co-sponsors on this it's bill. Right. It's, it, it's, it's pretty wild. It's a real right. kumbaya moment. Well, it's I, I, on, on the one hand, you know, maybe that's what it takes to get just a little bit of refreshing bipartisanship, right? Well, I mean, Let's hope so. I was going to say, yeah. doesn't it remind you of like in the movie Miracle when the coach like purposefully bans the whole team against him to get them to play better? It's literally like all that they needed was a common enemy that wasn't in the government. And then suddenly we might be off to the races. Can we just talk about how surprised I am at your movie reference right there with Miracle? I know, I wild. never referenced <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I think because. Are you feeling okay, Anna? <laughs> I think After because. I think because I've I've lived that movie so many times in my life where I've had like a coach or a boss or some be in a position where all of us just hated them so much that we became better at whatever we were doing. So that's maybe my only movie reference. So get ready to hear it again. That was great. Well, uh, you never want your coach to be saying that you're playing like what's the what's the quote it's uh i can't ask me for a worse, quote you you're can't getting worse far. by the no it's their famous herb brooks quote where he was like the coach he was like you're getting worse by the day and you're playing like it's the middle of next week <laughs> meaning that <laughs> you're, you you're, See, you're shit in the bed i'll yeah. tee up yeah. the moment but you have to provide the quote fantastic well speaking of scoring goals let's move to our next section what's the score wow what a segue Boom. thank you thank Boom. you i practice uh, so we had an interesting uh, thing happen this week. Obviously, we have a lot of uh, young leaders uh, on our platform who are former military veterans who have served. And again, one of these sort of unifying uh, positions that many of them, right, left, and center, all have is the feeling that we need to repeal the 2002 uh, authorization of use of military force in Iraq and lo and behold, they did. Um, can you kind of walk us through some of the numbers and, and this, this move and what this all sort of means? Yeah, so I mean, it passed with 268 votes in favor and 161 not in favor. Hmm. Uh, 49 Republicans voted for, for it, actually. Mm-hmm. So wow. it was on bipartisan grounds. And just to put big it in time. perspective, yeah, yeah, big time. And I would say just to put in perspective for people, you know, since the uh, Iraq and Afghanistan war, all, you know, the previous three presidents have all used executive orders uh, for military action in different countries. Through and this normally, authorization act. You should, through, yeah. through this authorization act. And, and normally that power, we might remember from our middle school history class, but that is held with, the Congre- with Congress. So... This is putting it back in Congress's hands. And uh, this was actually passed in the last, in the 116th Congress, but Trump uh, had said that he was not for it. Now, Hmm. Biden has said that he, so it never went to the Senate. Now, Biden has said that he is for this and uh, 
Majority Leader Schumer said he will bring it to the Senate, uh, you know, shortly for a vote. What, what I funny, think though, is like, really... Oh, sorry, go ahead. We're going to yeah. say the same thing. Go ahead. No, 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 no. Go ahead. No, I was... you, you go. No, you go. No, you go. A rare, oh a rare moment of us being nice to each other. Allow um, me to lay down my trench coat over this pillow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I just think that because you were talking about how Trump was against it. What's interesting to me about this, and again, I feel like we're in this like couple weeks where there's just a lot of like strange, surprising bipartisan things happening at a very big level. Mercury's that, in Mercury's in retrograde. Is though, it? So. Oh, well, that's probably, definitely yeah, why, that's right? right? That's yeah, we should tell right. everyone in Congress, <laughs> just so you know. Um, no, but but on this list of the 49 Republicans, there is a large handful, I think maybe around 13 or 15 political playlist leaders who are Republicans who voted for it. And on that list of 13 or 15, there are like at least six who are the staunchest, staunchest Trumpers. You have like Lauren Boebert, you have Madison Cawthorn, you have Kat Kamak, Matt Gates. like I could go on. So what's so interesting to me about this is that we're seeing still, obviously Trump is like the leader of the Republican party, but this is a very important um, vote that was taken. And these people did not go with what Trump had previously said about it because he wanted to keep this authorization Mm -hmm. intact. So not that I think this is saying like, this is going to start some sort of a trend, but I think what's interesting to me is that it is dealing with the military. It's dealing with veterans. And my guess is that a lot of these people are looking at their constituency and saying, these people don't want to keep going to war. They might have a lot of, you know, active service members in their constituency. And they're just like, no, you know, I have to vote to repeal this because I know that my office could be at stake if I don't. And Trump's not in the White House anymore, so I'm just going to go for it. So I think that, that politically, it's a very interesting decision by some of these Republicans. Um, and one that, you know, from a personal standpoint, I think is also pretty valid. So that brings us to our next section, which is, of course, everybody's favorite section. The fuck you of the week. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> you you know it's a happy hour when we're dropping f bombs. Who wants to who wants to uh, spill the beans on who gets the well, fuck you of the week? Anna likes to. I think it's. I always likes to get out some aggression. Yeah, it's <laughs> always in yes. my nature to want to just spill the beans and. All right, coach. Talk lay it about on us. Uh, the yeah. fuck you of the week, which yeah, exactly. <laughs> One day I'm going to be that coach. By the way, <laughs> I'm going to be <laughs> the coach that's like turning all these like 14 year old girls against me. So Byron Donalds is a Republican from Florida, elected in 2020. He is one of only two Black Republicans in the House, one of only three Black Republicans in Congress, which includes Senator Tim Scott from South Carolina. And he wants to join the Congressional Black Caucus, which is a very typically very liberal caucus made up of African-American members of the House. Um, But it is also incredibly, incredibly powerful. Um, It is growing as there are more Black people elected to the House, and they are a pivotal caucus in terms of decision-making and supporting bills. So the Black caucus, though, they're giving the fuck you to Byron this week because Mm. they are not taking up his request to join, um, despite the fact that Senator Tim Scott, when he was in the House, he was in the Congressional Black Caucus as a Republican. Um, former representative from Utah, Mia Love, who was a Black woman, it was also in the Congressional Black Caucus. And the reason 
um, that is sort of being circulated that the Democrats are not considering Byron is because he did not vote to certify the election. So they're giving him the big old bird on this one. Um, and I think it's just kind of an interesting, uh, it's just an interesting thing to think about on a personal level. Like, do you think that because he is black, he should be in this caucus or are the Democrats sort of reasonable in their thinking that, you know, it's not about him being black or not. It's about the way that he voted on January 6th. So, you know, I think it's just an interesting question. I I think it was interesting too, because I mean, this was a post we put on our Instagram that actually got like a lot of comments on it. I would say more in favor of him not joining, but there were definitely some people who said, yeah. yeah, you know, yes, you should. So, I mean, interesting to see. And I, I, uh, I would love for everyone to get along together, but I think we've already seen in this Congress, that's really not going to happen too much. In this Congress, try like. <laughs> bum, bum, bum. <laughs> well, what's in- pessimistic person. Seriously. Right. Shocking. Shocking. Let the rain cloud, let the rain oh. cloud commence. <laughs> Just we 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 thought we had maybe escaped one podcast without uh, Debbie Downer from Del Mar, but you know, such as such as our luck. Yeah, well, what's interesting, just getting back to Byron for a second. I mean, I remember we wrote uh, a summary a couple weeks ago where you know he had kind of courted some controversy to a certain extent when he was you know very publicly saying how. You know, he doesn't believe that systematic racism really exists in many, mm-hmm. uh, you know, areas of, of government and, and of different uh, systems. And, you know, he took a lot of heat from his fellow African-American uh, leaders on both sides of the aisle. And, um, you know, it, it would be interesting to to really hear if, if any of that was a factor, um, you know, and, and what, you know, how much is it really that you know, they don't want that sort of very difference of opinion, you know, or is the real reason that he didn't certify an election. The flip Um, side of that, though, just so to give people something to think about is that, Mm -hmm. you know, he he did say that about racism in government. He also doesn't he falls in line with Republicans and not wanting to teach critical race theory. But on the flip side, he was a businessman who worked in banking and in insurance. And so he has, you know, he campaigned on figuring out how to get more capital into black businesses. He also campaigned on criminal justice reform. So it's interesting because like there are a lot of um, minority issues that he does want to take the mantle up on, but the ones that seem to be the sort of hot button issues right now are the ones that he still disagrees with Democrats on. So, so I think that just, you know, for people's personal you know, think tank on this just to, to give that some consideration. Um, well, speaking of consider, what should I consider this week? Do you oh have God, you're just, any good The recs? segues are out of control. <laughs> we need some, um, we need to have some audio like music and cues to we'll figure it out. spice this up. Um, I know a good Grammy winning engineer. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna take this one too. Cause it's so fun. So I'm gonna take all the fun things and Anthony can do the boring things. Yeah, um, perfect. I'm quite boring. So that works out. Yeah, perfect. Um, so, so we actually took a little political playlist work retreat um, last week. And one of the things that the three of us encountered is something called the flavor blaster. 
Well, we also encountered a lot of drinks. Okay. Sure. I I literally totally totally forgot about the flavor blast. The flavor bastard. I literally. The flavor bastard. Is that what you just said? The flavor bastard. The flavor. So the flavor blaster. Um, we will post about this because we have a really great video. So we'll we'll show we'll share a link. Um. But essentially the flavor blaster is something that weirdly looks like a handgun, which is like a little bit terrifying mm-hmm. when you see a bartender whip it out of a bar. Um, but and in Colorado, anything goes. So, right, yeah. right, right. So, yeah. so, but what this thing is, and I, I won't take too much time here and you guys please chime in with your favorite elements, of the flavor blaster, but basically it's a gun that infuses a little air bubble on top of a drink um, and when it, and it infuses it with like a aroma. So then yeah. there's this glowing bl- bubble floating on top of your drink. And then when you pop it, the aroma erupts out of this bubble in this like smoky goodness. And everyone around you starts smelling like lavender or whatever. <laughs> and it is, it was just one of the most bizarre things I've ever seen. And you just transported me back to that drink. Yeah, perfect. Thank you for that Good. description. <laughs> yeah. And you and, and and for me, you transported me back to the hangover it gave me the yeah, next morning. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> um, check, check. And I think that I just thought it was like such a funny little thing. And I also think just in the like Instagram obsessed, like content obsessed world that we're living in, there is nothing that could be more on point for like Gen Z and millennial content creators than a glowing bubble that erupts in a smoky, like beautiful aroma um, for their for their Instagram posts we, or their TikTok. We just posts we just whatever. need to find a cheaper version because yeah, that one's it costs like, like three hundred dollars. Like, yeah. yeah, three or three fifty, I think. So coming soon uh, to the political playlist office. We should a hundred percent invest in one of those. <laughs> by the way, yeah, great. No, I mean it's really a no brainer. Well, speaking of no brainers. Let's move on that. to one bit smarter. I don't know if that was the best segue. I oh, saw you contemplating. Okay. Okay. I saw you contemplating that, and I was like, "Well, how is he going to do this?" Critical Anna. Critical. Yeah, Anna. It was. Uh, it was not my finest. I'm. Uh-huh. You know, our. This is, by the way, this is supposed to be happy hour, and I don't know if anyone's drinking. Um, yeah, I am. I have. I had uh, coffee in here. That's sadly. Okay. Um, oh, we weren't supposed to drink alcohol, even though it's well, happy on a Saturday. hour. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> happy uh-huh. hour can mean many things for many different people. Yeah. Yes. I do have a uh, I do have a conference call after this recording, and I think that maybe I should have started drinking. Yeah. yeah. For sure. Yeah. It is, by the way, it is as as we mentioned, it's Saturday. We're all working on Saturday. Uh, so just you know, so everyone knows how ambitious just, and great and hardworking yeah. we are. Yeah. yeah, we're not just like a bunch of, you know, booze hounds with flavored blasters. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Yeah. Speaking I'll, of I'll, flavor I'll, blasters and booze hounds. I'll, I'll, I'll take, I'll start with this one. My one bit smarter. So, well, first, I just want to say we welcome someone new to the political playlist club yeah. this week. We so, did. Yeah, Melanie Stansbury. Uh, and she uh, just won the special election in New Mexico in the uh, first district, and she's replacing uh, Secretary of Interior Deb Holland. So uh, she's on our platform now. She's uh, she seems very progressive, actually, and uh, she's also very attractive. 
Ooh, we have a new congressional crush new in the house. Crush. New congressional crush. Yeah. Yeah, we, we needed a new congressional crush. But yeah. I would say, but other than introducing her to our platform, my one bit smarter is, um, I would say almost over 50% of the Republicans on our platform this week are obviously talking about immigration and border security. But one thing that they are bringing up and talking about is why has Kamala not gone to the southern border? She did do her Central America trip. And, you know, they're continuing to press her on this. And, you know, I, I would just say maybe from like a personal standpoint, the Central America trip I thought was, per, you know, great. And that's where you have to go. I think if I was the vice president, I would have tried to go to the border first, then go to Central America and say, hey, this is what we're seeing on our borders. And it needs to be, you know, firsthand and it needs to be changed. Well, and was there was there some calculus that she didn't go because she didn't want to give it the, the weight that some across the aisle were, were trying to give it or? You know, well, may, I mean, it may, is. I, I, I haven't heard much, but I, I mean, we all know, too, the vice president's office is basically right. controlled by the president's agenda. So this has to be coming from the president's office as well. So. Right. Right. Interesting. But, Anna, how about you? So my one bit smarter um, has to do with drugs. Oh, and uh, yes, please. <laughs> although not in Kidding. this instance, not yes, please. Kidding. So, so just an interesting fact. Um, when police detain somebody during an arrest, oftentimes they need to or think they need to sedate the person that they're arresting. And I oh. did not realize this. R restrain them, yeah. Restrain yeah, but one of the main ways that police departments tend to sedate and restrain um, someone that they have arrested is using ketamine, which is a horse tranquilizer. <laughs> and, wow. and so essentially what has happened is that over the last couple of years, there's been more and more reported overdoses um, of people in custody who have been sedated for whatever reason while they're being arrested, which obviously is not okay so is so it like Jason, a tranquilizer gun they just like jam it in the leg or what i think it's this? a needle i mean i think it's oh, like I, you I, would I see think, in i think normally the paramedics are there but i mean this was specifically but sometimes they're not yeah yeah no sometimes they're not and i think this was specifically in colorado right wow it, the numbers um, were specifically in colorado but it's but it's everywhere it's everywhere and mm -hmm. And so what, so Jason Crow, who is um, on our platform, who's a congressman from Colorado, he's a Democrat, he is introducing a bill that essentially would ban the use of ketamine for any sedation procedures unless the detainee is in a hospital setting. So we'll see what happens with that. But I just thought that was kind of an interesting thing to think about that, you know, as there's all this discussion around police, whichever way that you fall, I think the more we understand about the processes that they use and how they can maybe be improved for safety of everybody um, is, is an interesting thing to consider. Absolutely. Well, my, uh, my one bit smarter uh, sort of dovetails with Jason Crow and another um, uh, veteran on our platform, Peter Meyer, who put forth a bill this week, um, you know, kind of relating to the, the use of uh, authorization of war, um, uh, but regarding Afghanistan, 
you know, we have the, the president has decided to withdraw troops from Afghanistan fully by September. And what is fascinating to me is there is an estimated 18,000 plus local Afghan uh visa applications. And these are from folks who were our local partners over the years who have helped and coordinated and worked side by side with the US military. And now their safety and, and of them and their families is in extreme jeopardy, given that the troops, uh, the US troops will be uh, withdrawn. So there are 18,000 visa applications that need to be sorted by September uh, for these people who are our Afghan partners. And so Peter Meyer put forth a bill to try and expedite that uh, process. So it's it's certainly one that is um, really eye-opening, quite frankly. Yeah. I think and, uh, Adam Kinzinger is on that as well. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, a pretty big bipartisan right. bill mm -hmm. with a bunch of veterans on it. Yeah, I mean, again, like just like the policing thing, it's these larger issues like the war in Afghanistan where it's important to know these little details because they obviously have really big repercussions. And just from like a human standpoint, obviously none of these people who have helped us for the last, you know, 20 years um, right. should be left hanging. So, so I think that that's, that's an interesting one to go out on. Thank you, Michael. Well, thank you guys. Um, thanks for joining. This was, uh, this was another great conversation and I feel like I learned something. Oh, so, isn't uh, that fun? Yeah. 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 Anna didn't learn anything. No, so, I know everything. She knew it all. She knew it all. <laughs> That's so what you'll as, learn uh, in your life. <laughs> as we always say, uh, if you are not a subscriber to our newsletter already, go to www.politicalplaylist.com and you can take your customized survey and tell us what issues uh, are that you care about. And we will curate your playlist uh, fully customizable with leaders who align with your issue and we will also throw you a curveball and the idea of that is to give you a glimpse of what's happening outside of your echo chamber which i think does us all some good um anna you help me out of my echo chamber and i appreciate it oh that's so sweet of you the nicest yes. thing anyone's ever said to me anthony not, where's me, your not, <laughs> not me yet not me yet. i don't i don't get a compliment damn yeah rough crowd. you're looking beautiful today you're looking beautiful oh <laughs> uh, classic wow. classic misogynistic comment just commenting on my looks oh, that's great <laughs> all right thanks everybody well, have we'll a great holiday time. weekend happy Perfect. juneteenth yeah. and father's day yes, yes. that too none Bye. of us are fathers <laughs>